Welcome to All In Uncensored with Ryan and Brian. Welcome everyone again to All In Uncensored with Ryan and Brian and welcome to episode four. And the title of this show is Victim or Victor. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about some recent trainings and events that we just attended, both in Detroit, Michigan at UWM and a kind lending event in Los Angeles, California. At the Westin in Costa Mesa, which was incredible, by the way. That, that was, was incredible. It was yeah. really fun to go to. Absolutely astounding. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today, here's a kind of a snapshot of some of the takeaways that we have. Uh, at the UWM leadership training, we touched on a lot of stuff there. So today we're going to look at uh, personal and professional goals and development in developing a win attitude, which is what's important now. Um, in that, we're going to also touch on transparency, consistency, and identity of oneself and one's brand. It's going to be pretty cool. I like that. I like that event. That's going to be fun to talk about. We're also going to be talking about the kind vibe event that we went to. Um, we had really cool motivational speakers Unbelievable. there. Glenn Stearns, Grant Cardone. Uh, I don't even know how to... Manny. Manny, Manny Koshpin. Yeah. John, John Elway and Captain Charlie Plum. <sighs> that. That's going to be the one I can't wait to talk about with you. He was probably the most inspirational speaker I've ever been a part of. I don't think there was a dry eye in that room. Nope. Uh, after mine that wasn't. Nope. Mine wasn't either. Not ashamed to admit it either. Absolutely not. Uh, and then we're going to do talk about the speakers from that event that you just mentioned. And we're going to do a deep dive into some of our takeaways with those speakers and maybe how you, our audience, can get better from what we learned. I know we took a lot away from that. And if we can just give you a couple of nuggets to take away from this show to help you get better, that's our goal with that. And then we're going to wrap up the speakers again with Charlie Plum, just talking about his experience as a POW uh, in Vietnam. It, just incredible story about this guy and I'm looking forward to talking about that with you. And then the last thing we're going to talk about <laughs> is a little field trip that we took to uh, something called Club 33 in Disneyland. Yeah, it's a super secret club. If you know about it, you know about it. If you don't, well, we're going to share it with you. A little bit. A little bit. It's secret, so we can't share too much. <laughs> <laughs> so the UWM uh, Detroit thing we went to, so Ryan and I signed up for um, it's a business development and leadership course because we're forming our own branch. And so we're plugging into kind of ownership training and what that looks like and taking it beyond just being an independent mortgage originator, but taking it to the next level and being an owner now. We're going to own our branch and we're going to help pour into other people, help them grow. And one of the big takeaways that we learned there, um, it's in really important to define personal and professional goals. They talked about two main personal and two main professional goals, defining what those are. And those goals need to be built around the strategy called WIN, which is what? What's important now? Huge. We are in an ever-changing market. This market that we're in now is, is one of the biggest changes we've ever had. But the market changes daily no matter what. No matter, you know, right now we're kind of in a, in a slow market, but that doesn't matter. The market changes no matter what the industry is doing. It's, it's ever-changing. Yeah, what was important in 2021 doesn't apply to what's important now. And so it's really important that you're constantly readjusting and shifting your goals and aligning those with what's important now to continue your, your path of development and growth. 
that that was that was huge. That was abs- That was it was huge. The the things that we take away every time that we go to UWM. That was that was my third trip there, and every time I don't just get one nugget to take away. I get multiple nuggets to take away. It's it's crazy. I come back recharged every time. I know you do too. Um, the other part about that is investing in your team. Um, so it's really important to develop a game plan, not only for you, but for your team. And then with that game plan, develop transparency and consistency around that. Transparency and consistency, we've learned that it's it's probably the most important thing in business, not only for our clients, not only for our referral partners, but internally in our branch. Yeah, 100%. We, we went there, you know, we're gonna start our own branch, and we went there with an open mind to learn. And um, I've said it before, I love coaching people. I love training people. Um, I'm really looking forward to having our own branch and being able to do things our way. 100%. The transparency piece, um, what they shared with us is, I'll read it directly. Uh, This is coming from one of the senior VPs there. Transparency allows everyone to know where everyone else stands, and it, the transparency then creates accountability. And if, if we're going to succeed at something, you need to be accountable for it. You need to have accountability partners. And the only way to do that is to be transparent. You have to be transparent. Huge word. It, it helps you focus on what needs to happen on a daily basis. Yeah. And that focus on the daily basis leads to consistency. You can't – you have to have consistency – um, if you know what you need to do every day to hit your personal and collective goals, it's going to take consistency, period. We've learned that over the last six or seven months, haven't we? Yeah. We went from an idea, this podcast show, to this is now episode four. Our podcast show just re- just launched today. I mean, we're recording a few few weeks ahead of time here, but our first show launched today. The feedback's been amazing. We're already getting constructive criticism in a good way, helping us get better every day. And I'm excited about the growth we're going to see with this. I can't wait for this. You know, this was just this podcast was just something that we kind of threw out there. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we threw it out there is because of this booth itself. Yeah, it's a <laughs> we, it, it wasn't something we thought of before we saw this booth. And we and then we saw the booth and didn't know if it belonged to the to the. Uh, landlord in this building or who so we found out who and we talked to him his name is Mike shout out to Mike Denzio Mike Denzio dude when we met with him next level he was maybe more excited for us to start this thing than we were (laughs) yeah we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into but that was part of the excitement (laughs) of it and again that gets back to the win right what's important now Uh, creating digital content to help people get better to inspire uh, to be positive in my opinion, those are important things that we can do now. And this is a platform for it. We talk about positivity all the time. I've been doing videos on Instagram now for over six months, and I always end them with, it's another great day. And it's been a huge success for me, and I had no clue that that was going to be a success. And it, it's been amazing. People see me at the grocery store and they're like, hey, it's another great day. I, I don't know who you are, <laughs> but it's amazing. To your testament, you exemplify exactly what this is, consistency. You do this every day without fail. doesn't matter if it's raining out there, the sun is shining, doesn't matter if 
you only got two hours of sleep the night before you're getting up every day and you're doing this video and you're inspiring other people. So this is a perfect example. Well, thank you, Brian. Congrats. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, and consistency and messaging and identity, you exemplify that. That also goes into office culture, which we're trying to create. We want to create a place where people want to grow and thrive and they feel like they can trust us. And the only way we can earn the trust is through leading by trans being transparent and doing what we say we're going to do. We, we talk about transparency daily also. Um, transparency leads to leadership and leadership leads to people trusting you. And if they trust you and we are good leaders for them, it'll, it'll, it just creates longevity with everybody. Correct. And that really plays into the next talking point we want to discuss, which is identity. So identity is not, you know, your ID or your driver's license. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about how do you define yourself? What are some pillars of what are some pillars that define you? So it can be work ethic. It can be transparency, consistency. It can be thumbs, not pointers. So when it comes to accountability, stop pointing the fingers, people. Start pointing the thumbs at yourself and own your stuff first before you start accusing anybody else. And I think that's really big in our industry right now, too. Well, to speak on that topic, in our industry specifically, we have so many people that are a part of the files. We have underwriters. We have processors. We have title and escrow. And ultimately, when something goes wrong, you have to be a thumb holder and you have to take ownership of all of those things, no matter who messed up. It's not your job to throw them under the bus to make you look okay. It's your job to take the blame and take ownership of it. I agree with that. And it's hard to do. I mean, we all have our own personal pride involved. But if you're able to set that pride aside and you are thinking about it in the terms of servant leadership, which is kind of a big theme with us as well, that's part of it. Taking, yeah. taking accountability for, you know, maybe it wasn't your fault, but doing the right thing and not throwing somebody else under the bus and being solution oriented in your approach. And that's part of the thumb pointing, I think. I think that's one of the most important pillars that, that there possibly is yeah. taking ownership. Yeah. Um, and that gets a standard that needs to be created for office culture. Um, that's another uh, talking point we have here. And that's, it's stuff like showing up early, um, doing more to improve and down. So right now in the, the real estate and loan industry, it's a downtime for sales. It just is. I mean, the volumes are way down on everything. What a tremendous opportunity to work on self-improvement and growth and work on your business and not just in your business. It's, it's such a huge opportunity. I think that 90% of us out there are missing this right now. That's actually what I was going to say before you said it. Working on your business versus in your business. I've been in the business for a long time now, and this is probably the first time this, I'm meaning the last six months, when we broke off and now we're kind of doing our own thing, it's truly the first time that I've worked on my business. And it's it's been, I'm working on so many things. Um, new CRMs, this podcast show, learning how to be better for my clients, learning how to use technology when in the past, I just relied on me being me. I mean, come on. Creating systems, create processes. That's another big takeaway we had at UWM. By the way, for those of you that don't know, UWM's, which I'm wearing the shirt, sweatshirt, I should say, United Wholesale Mortgage, that's one of our biggest uh, wholesale lending partners. But the big thing is 
or another big takeaway fr- as part of that is the processes. Like having processes defined so that as people join your organization, they know exactly what they have to do, and then having processes for, the, for those processes. It's it's insane. Like as they continue to peel back the layer of the onion of what that looks like, and then that leads to what does a perfect day look like? So it's executing those processes. And so talk a little bit more about the perfect day. Well, the perfect day is an ever-changing thing, but the, the perfect day is something that we all strive for. What it means for you is something different than what it means for me or anybody else. Yeah. The I mean, perfect you, day you, is defined by your, your own perfect. You could be a chef at a restaurant. You could be a commercial truck driver. You could be a school teacher. We all have what a perfect day looks like. So you and I define our perfect day maybe differently than people who aren't in sales. So some of the things that we look at for a perfect day are outbound phone calls, social media. Have we worked on our podcast show? Have we followed up with clients? Have we done outbound phone calls? Have we checked in on our referral partners? Have we poured it into them to help them get better every day? I mean, there is we're still trying to figure out what that perfect day looks like for us, honestly. We are. And we've talked about the the uh, 5 a.m. wake up. Yeah, Hal Elrod. The morning miracle. Miracle morning, sorry. We we promised an update on that. Truth be told, uh, I had frozen shoulder and brutal for the last last week and a half. Um, So today, I got up at 4.50 this morning. I promised a 5 a.m. wake up. I got up at 4.50. I did did the routine, and I feel freaking good today, man. Like, unbelievably good. Are you a morning person? I'm becoming a morning person. I would never have identified myself as a morning person, but I'm finding that getting up early and getting getting some wins early on in the day is just absolutely huge for the mindset. And it gets me energy, energized and motivated to want to get in here. I could not wait to get into the office this morning. And we have, you and I have been working hardcore. It's what, 2.30 right now yeah. um, as we're broadcasting this or recording this. And we have gotten so much done in just the short amount of time we've been here today already, it's it's unbelievable. I am not really consistent at the 5 a.m. wake up. I'll be completely honest and transparent. So you haven't hit the perfect day yet? I have a, f- no, I have not hit the perfect day yet. Yeah. I'm still striving for the perfect day and that's okay. But that perfect day for us, as we promised you, our audience is gonna start with that miracle morning at 5 a.m. So I'm gonna commit to you right now in front of our audience, in the spirit of accountability and transparency, I, Brian Taylor, will be consistent about getting up by 5 a.m. and sticking to the routine. Every day next week. Every day next week. I, Ryan Byes, commit to waking up at 5 a.m. every day next week and getting our day going. I love I love the 5 a.m. when I, The days that I do it, it, it does truly get me moving in the right direction, and it clears my mind. Your mind works a little bit different. I've read a book on this. Your mind works different when you wake up early in the morning and you don't have the distractions of the of the midday stuff. Correct. You know, the midday stuff, we're doing our calls, we're doing our social media, we do all those other things. The mornings that I wake up early, I don't even look at my phone until There's no need 7.30 to. or 8. Correct. It's It just gives you an opportunity to get stuff done. You should be getting done every day anyway. And and it's I look at it, at it as an opportunity to get one percent better every day, and that's part of that process, right? And yes, and as we talk about having a perfect day at work, it's going to start with the perfect morning at home, and that perfect morning is the miracle morning. The in miracle my morning, yeah. So we're going to strive for the perfect morning so we can try to get perfect days. And we'll let you know how we. Yeah, we'll keep you guys posted as we go. So 
I can't wait to talk about the Kind Lending Vibe VIBE event. That uh, stands for Very Important Broker Event, which is <laughs> kind of funny. Um, but we we invested our time and money into getting down to Los Angeles and attending this event at the Westin in Costa Mesa. Tell me about the kind event, or share with our audience what we learned. In all transparency, I was a little bit apprehensive about this event, and I told Brian, you know, I've been to so many summits and I've been to so many, you know, one, two-day events in Las Vegas or L.A. or anything like that, and I thought this was just going to this was just going to be another one of those. A where, raw, raw session, drinking some Kool-Aid type stuff. Yeah, you don't yeah. get any takeaways from it. And, um, you know, we've been spoiled over the last few months going to UWM. We get so many takeaways when we go to UWM in our two-day trainings that I was apprehensive to go to this. But we came to this event, and the the really cool thing was the speakers that came up for the most part were it was it was just a sit-down. Glenn's, it was a fireside chat format. So, like Glenn, you said, they, Glenn Stearns and the and the speaker would grab a chair, like we're doing right here. Yeah, and they would just chat, and it was really cool. Um, one of the first speakers that came up was Manny Manny Koshpin. Yeah. So his backstory: uh, his family immigrated from Iraq, I believe. So Manny uh, was just about to turn fourteen, and at the time, uh, it was. Any boy who turned 14 was automatically drafted into their army under Saddam Hussein. So his dad vowed to never let that happen to his son. So they, and he had a successful accounting business in Iraq. So he picked up his entire family with just the clothes on their back, immigrated to Los Angeles area, and lived out of a car for the first two months in the United States. And it was a small car. A small Datsun hatchback hatchback dots and, and I can't remember was it five, five or six five or six people yeah like their whole family Manny's, was in a mom, for him months. and his siblings yes so Manny at a young age had a, a huge impression put upon him uh, with the struggles that his family had to go through early on and he saw his dad hustling and his dad ultimately found a job and was able to get them into an apartment but it really taught Manny the value of work ethic. And that's a lot of the messaging he gave to us and what really drove him. And he vowed to make sure his dad never had to work another day in his life. And his dad hasn't worked in 25 years, by the way. Because Manny, Manny's almost a billionaire. Manny's taking care of him. Yes. Uh, one of my takeaways from Manny was the more you know, the more you grow. Again, investing in yourself. Invest in yourself, yeah. working on your business and on yourself. Yeah. And the, the thing about Manny, yeah, he has a lot of money and flashy th- cars are his thing. And he has these super rare cars, these super rare Bugattis, which I'm not really a car guy. They were impressive. Don't get me wrong. Oh, uh, it was impressive. Yeah. You're a car guy. You, uh, yeah. I stood next to it and I was I was definitely <laughs> impressed. Super impressive. But that's that's his hobby. You know, that's not his thing. It's not he's not trying to flaunt it to anybody. That's just what his passion is. And it goes way back to some stuff that he shared with us. And I encourage you to follow him on Instagram and just dive into what he's offering. Really inspiring guy. Another one, you said, the more you know, the more you grow. The other one is work out or exercise because a strong body supports a strong mind. And again, this gets back to our morning routine, right? It absolutely does. We're working on it, guys. Trust me, we're working on it. And how important that is. It is. We know how important it is. Yes. It's just doing is a little bit harder and 
it's a work in progress, and that's okay. It's okay to be okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, uh, a lot of times when you're trying to accomplish something, you run into resistance. So he said the solution that he found for that was persistence. Persistence overcomes resistance. And so he just kept being persistent about his goals, and he eventually overcame the limitations that were in front of him and grew from it. And it was so inspiring to, to listen to him about that. Really cool dude. He just showed up in his in his T-shirt and his vest and his white jeans. And his awesome watch, whatever that thing was. Uh, uh, Pete. I'm gonna mess it up. Peter Peter Millar or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. looked it up. It was some some crazy like expensive thing, four hundred thousand dollars or something <laughs> for that watch. Uh, let's talk about the next speaker, Grant, Grant Cardone. Cardone. Woo! For those of you that uh, tune into Discovery Channel's Undercover Billionaire, two of the speakers are so Glenn Stearns, the original Undercover Billionaire. If you remember in the first season, open up that barbecue shop, and then Grant Cardone was in season two, right when COVID hit. And so Grant Cardone and Glenn Stearns happened to be pretty good friends, and he was invited as a speaker to this event. And Grant had a lot of interesting things to say, but there's really a couple of main takeaways with him. Grant is really intense, but he is a marketing genius. Marketing genius. And to listen to him talk about, well, let's just start with, he came on stage and basically told this room of a thousand people that we suck in the mortgage industry at marketing. Yeah, you've got some of the top mortgage brokers in the country in this office, and he called everybody out and said, we all suck because not one of us asked for his business. <laughs> I was like, touche, good point. He also point. told us to sell every house that we had and, and uh, take the yeah, equity Yeah, he had some wackadoodle, wackadoodle stuff. but really good, really good to hear him, though. He just solidified things that we've been working on in our business. Uh, the marketing aspect, yeah, we get on social media and we do things like that, but um, one thing that we're really working on is trying to grow our our database, and he really put he hit that on the head. He totally hit he that. Drove he that knocked home. it out of the park. He talked about uh, you, how important your brand is, and you know, from his perspective, the more haters he gets, that means the more successful he is. He goes, "I'm not doing my job if I don't have haters out there." Now, our goal isn't to get you guys to hate us or anything like that, but the point being is he puts himself out there and is unapologetic in who he is. And if it rubs some people the wrong way, oh well. He doesn't care. What he cares about is name, email, and phone number. That goes into his database. He's able to communicate then with these potential prospective clients. And I learned, I got a lot out of that. Well, the cool thing about that was is that's been drilled into us at UWM also. It has. They use that same name, name email, email phone, phone number. Phone number. Yeah. For, you get that and you market to them because our, it's all a numbers game. You know, we're, in any sales, it's a market. It's a numbers game. Totally. Yeah, he was masterful in, in communicating that to us, which was really important. He wouldn't listen to Glenn either. When no. Glenn, he would get on his own tangents, and Glenn, <laughs> Glenn would try and rein him in, and he, he just kept going. It was, pretty, it was pretty entertaining for a good solid 45 it, minutes it to an great. hour. It was great. Speaking of Glenn Stearns, yeah. I love that guy. He, I, I didn't really know anything about him before we went on that trip. Now, I did because my wife and I had watched The Undercover Billionaire and just fell yeah. in love with that show and what an amazing human being he was. Like, who he is in that show is really who he is in real life. Like, there's, like, no pretenses about this guy. There's a reason why he called his company Kind Lending. Yeah. I, this is basically a reboot. So 
For those of you that don't really know his backstory, uh, he had Stearns Lending, which he sold to a hedge fund at some point because he was dealing with some personal matters with cancer. And so he chose to spend that time with his family, not knowing if he was going to survive it. Pulled through, cancer is in remission. He's a survivor now, five years clear. And really loved the lending game. It was considered like an OG. He loves the the lending game. Yeah. I'm reading his book right now, and it's pretty interesting. He loves it. He loves business in general, but he loves the lending side of things. And he he beat cancer, and he decided that he's going to start another company because he missed it. Not only that, but he got a second chance to do it all over again uh, with what he's learned from his experiences and how he sees how he can pull this industry forward. And it's really based around some really basic principles of being kind to other people, being a good listener, being compassionate. And having fun with it, you know, so often in stuff like mortgages and and other industries like insurance, people get kind of stuffy and just too formal and, you know, too reserved. And no, he's like turning this whole industry on its head and he's just like kicking butt and having fun with it. And it's so fun to like be plugged into that. You he know? does have fun with it. I mean, I mean, he had a velvet the, the, shirt on. The, the kind <laughs> event itself, he had a velvet shirt on. <laughs> it was great. The whole event opened up with a with a you know, crazy lights and strobe lights. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I didn't want to come into. Uh, Guys playing drums over there. And it was nothing that I thought. And I wanted to say thank you, Glenn Stern, for for that event. It was was really incredible. And thank you, Bryce and Beattie, our account exec, for inviting us out. We really appreciate the invite and getting to know you more as well. So let's talk about John Elway, real quick. He he was there speaking. Gosh. What a cool guy. He was the guy I absolutely loved to hate as a Seahawks fan and a Miami Dolphins fan growing up. I could not stand the guy because he was so stinking good, and he'd always find a way to pull it out in the last seconds of a game, you know? I, I don't know his stats, but I think he has a lot of fourth-quarter comebacks. He has a ton of them. Yeah. Yeah, my takeaways with that guy, um, he was telling us a story about how his dad raised him. You know, his, his hero was his dad, and his dad— you know, John would be asked to sweep the garage out and John didn't do it right. His dad goes, no, you go back and do it. You need to do it until it's done the right way. And so he really took that lesson to heart. And that's how he performed his entire football career, even all the way up through GMing the Denver Broncos to a championship. He would always strive to be better. Yeah. Every single day of his career, playing and the GM, he would always strive to be the best he could possibly be. And, you know, it's interesting that that point in kind of the speakers, I realized, oh, my gosh, you and I are on the right path because, you know, we've been preaching getting 1% better every day, just becoming better every day. And all of these guys got up there and talked about the same thing. They all talked about a routine, a morning routine. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, the light bulbs and fireworks are going off. I'm like, and we're like high-fiving each other in the back <laughs> row. Dude, we're on the right path. This we're is on great. the right path. Yeah, we, we are on the right we path. We felt validated. I would say the last few things, not only um, these two events that we've gone to, I actually, in between these two events, I went to UWM uh, also between the two events. I was gone for 16 days in October. Um, But everything that we've been doing the last six to eight months is solidified when we go to these events, you know, the things that they're teaching. But it being solidified is one thing learning that we're doing the right thing and that solidification 
I just totally lost my train of thought. No, I get where you're going with that. <laughs> so what we're what we're feeling is, you know, we have to like adapt where in the times that we're in. And we had all these things, these crazy ideas. And back in May, when we put together our first 90 day massive action plan, we didn't know if we were really doing the right thing or not. But we felt like in our gut that, hey, we're on the right track. We don't know where this is going to go. But and we're getting validated now. We're we're hearing that. And that's it's, where I was going to go. Yeah. Being solidified is one thing. Validation is another. Yeah. But again, you have to put in the work. It's not going to just show up and come to you. I mean, we've been in in here in this this hot box of a booth sweating it out on Saturdays and Sundays. And, you know, we were here late yesterday evening editing shows and working with our editing team. And uh, but it was fun. Like we just really feel like we're doing the right things. Yeah. And it's not to say that the right things for us, like. There's more than one way to do a thing. We're doing the right thing for us. For us. Yeah. The last speaker, there's just really no words to describe how incredible this guy was. So Captain Charlie Plum, he is a Vietnam veteran. He was in a POW camp for how long? 2,103 days. It, that's over six years, folks. Over just six under. years. Or just under just under six just years. under six years yeah my doesn't matter that's a ridiculous amount of time to be in an eight foot by eight foot cell that he would explain to you is three steps one way three steps the other way and that's how his presentation started it started the entire room was dark with a spotlight on him and his military gear and he was just pacing three steps back and forth back and forth for about three or four minutes and it was just it was just very powerful that moment it was he started speaking and he he talked about that eight by eight cell that he was in and basically him reliving that experience it was he had you at hello yeah and he he like he didn't go into detail about the torture he went through but he said it was hell um, and then the aftermath of the torture is he had all these open wounds that were there for like over a year. Yeah. They he, wouldn't heal. They wouldn't heal. Um, the, it was dark. He couldn't talk to anybody because be, however the prisoners were set up between each cell, there was no way to communicate with the guy next to you until they figured out a way. They did figure out a way. He thought he heard a cricket in the corner. and But it was rhythmic. It was rhythmic, and he's like, "I know what crickets sound like, and that's not a cricket." So he goes over to the he goes over to the corner, and there's a there's a little wire that's stuck through a little hole, making a little a little sound. And he, like he went click, to click click. He went to grab the wire, and it it pulled back through the wall. And he's he's thinking to himself, "What the hell is going on here?" He, he didn't know if, if he was going crazy or if it was real, which is kind of a testament to the conditions he was in. And I believe he said this was a few months in. Yeah, and. uh so it got pulled back through the wall, and then a, a few minutes later, it got something came through the wall again, and it's the wire, but it had a, a little ball of something attached to it, and he said, and uh, he grabbed it and opened it, and he said it was like toilet paper with some writing on it, and it was their own way. Basically, it was their own Morse code because they couldn't use yeah. Morse code because the Vietnam people, they'd, they'd know that. Yep. So they made their own language and they started communicating with each other. It was just a grid pattern with the alphabet and numbers. And so an A was one by one. So you had one through 24 and then A through Z. And then you, you could spell out the letters based on how many taps you do. And so it was a really long and tedious process to just communicate one word. Hey, 
my name is Captain Charlie Plum after about a half hour. I was going to say, that's, that's at least a half hour right yeah, there. Yeah, at least a half hour. And they, over the series of years that they were there, they figured there was like 512 people in this camp. 591. 591. John McCain was one of them. Yes, he was. Yep. And there was a guy that fell off of a Navy ship <laughs> 12 feet. This is how he became a POW. He fell off of a ship in the middle of the ocean, was picked up. Was rescued and put into a POW camp. And this guy decided to memorize every single uh, POW's name, social security number, date of birth, home address, phone number, next of kin's names and phone numbers and addresses. And he memorized everybody. Everybody. Now, you think that that's crazy, but these guys were in this cell 24 hours a day for almost six years. Yeah. Um, that guy ended up getting out early. There's a longer story that we won't go into right now, but he got he ended up getting out early. And when he got back to the United States, he drove to every single one of those every addresses. Every single one. And told their next next of kin that kind of what they're going through and that they are okay and you yep. know hope Your to be home soon. still alive, yeah, and hope to be home soon. It, it was a powerful, powerful message that he told. And there's so many powerful messages that he told throughout his speech. Yeah, and, and one of the things uh, he said initially, he was really feeling sorry for himself because <laughs> – you know, when the torture started, you're only supposed to give up your name, your rank, what branch of the military you're in, and one other thing. Um, but he caved under the, the torture, and he felt like he had let his country down and his fellow servicemen down. And so he's really carrying that heavy weight of guilt on him. And he allowed that to erode his mindset, and he became just kind of waiting to die until that— Until the tapping and came. Until the tapping came. And then his soulmate said, you know, you're— you know, adversity is a terrible thing to waste. We're in this together. Don't yeah. worry. I got you. Yeah. I'll lift you up. And he's thinking to himself, oh, great. <laughs> the guy next to me is some kind of inspirational speaker. What the hell am I getting into? <laughs> that It was so funny when he said that. The thing that got me, though, was how he talked about, hey, don't waste this opportunity of adversity. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, adversity is not a good thing. Yeah. Or is it? Look adversity in the eye. There's so many positives you can take out of any situation. And the stories that he told of the things that, that all of them took out of that situation were absolutely incredible. Yeah. I think his direct quote was, adversity is a horrible thing to waste. And he said that, interestingly enough, statistically speaking, 93% of those guys that got released did not end up with PTSD. And he he believes, based on the conversations he's had with psychologists, they all had a purpose every day there. And everybody's purpose was a little bit different. Like his was to um, become a, pr a prison leader. He called it prison leadership. So he was trying to lift up the men around him. John McCain was trying to lead the men and keep them encouraged. And this other guy that fell off the ships, his, his mission every day was to memorize everybody's name. So they almost had their own little little thing of of culture, like office culture and identity that we've been talking about with a, with goals and purpose every day to help lift each other up. And the the prison itself was just the environment we're in, they were in. And what did he say about, don't worry about the eight feet of the prison you're in? What, what do you really have to worry about? Worry about the eight inches in between your ears. Dude, that was so powerful. Yeah. It, you know, he's talking about all this stuff and then, and then he kind of ends it with, so you guys are dealing with what, uh, high interest rates right now? And the whole room kind of went, oh boy. Yeah. Okay, I got you. 
You know, it's it's not it's not the the situation that you're in. It's the eight inches in between your ears and what your mindset is to go after that situation, deal with the inver- the adversity. The adversity right now is low inventory, high interest rates. Yeah. He's like, are you going to step back and go, oh, boo-hoo, the Fed, <laughs> Fed's raising the rate. Oh, boo-hoo, they took away some loan programs and made it harder for clients to get loans. Oh, boo-hoo, there's left it, less inventory. He goes, you can step back and be the victim or you can step forward and become and be the victor and be the victor dude when he that was so powerful I, it it really hit we could home do a for whole me. show just on his yeah and we alluded speech. to that in our last show about adversity and you know stepping into that and i took lessons from that uh, thing to deal with my frozen shoulder 9.5 out of 10 on the pain scale zero mobility and once i had an orthopedic surgeon tell me you don't have any tears you got to force yourself through the pain to get through to the other side to get mobility back and then you just got to fight it. And so I, I really clung to what he said about the eight inches between your ears. Cause at that point it was just simply a mindset. I can either choose to be a victim of my pain and do nothing about it, or I can push past it and allow that dark passenger to become my teacher and not my adversary. You looked adversity in the eye and said, screw you. Yeah. I, I said, got this. I said, LFG. LFG. <laughs> no, I think that's one of the big things that we're trying to, we're trying to, tell people here is, you know, take adversity, look it in the eye and conquer it. There's so many, so many things that you can take away from um, perceived negative negativity mm-hmm. and turn it into positivity and turn it into things that you can control and do for yourself. Totally agree. With Mindset. That. Mindset. And then after this event, you know, this is a really long event that day. We ended up on the pool deck getting some really great Southern California cuisine, good stuff down there. And then all of a sudden, our account exec comes up to us and invites us to Club 33. And I had no clue what Club 33 like, was. I was like, okay, cool. What is that? I was like, there's a lot of things going in my head I know, on like, what Club 33 are, are we going to put on some glow sticks and take some E and go in LA all day or what? Are we going to some adult club? that? I was like, I don't know. You never know in a situation like this. I know. But no, we were going to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> Club 33 in Disneyland. And apparently it's some sort of secret, like secret society type club that, what is it, $80,000 for the initial membership fee and then $20,000 a year just to get access. This is just what access. we're told. We don't, yeah. we don't know. This is what we're told. Yeah. But yeah, we were told 80000 So we knew a, a guy who in. knew a guy who knew a guy that got nine of us down in there and we all got a pass into Disneyland. This, Mind you, this is like at nine o'clock at night. I think we got there like, no, no, it was 7.30, I think yeah, we got 730. there. Yeah, 7.30, 7.30. And we were going to go on a ride because the, there wasn't enough room for us in there for nine people. And then as soon as we got in line, the cool thing about being a part of Club 33 is you get the, I don't know what the pass is called, but you get fast a, pass. the fast pass. You yeah. cut in line, you go to the front. So we're, we're going to our first ride because we had time to wait for our table. And we got to the very front of the line and he got a buzz. Our table's ready. Turn around, went yeah. back. Club 33 was a really cool experience. It was like a 1920s speakeasy. It had some, like, the credenza from the Mary's Poppins movie in there, the phone booth from the Million Dollar Man. And they're so secretive. Like, this credenza, we couldn't even go (laughs) in the the room and see it because that room was closed and they wouldn't let us go see it, which, hey, I I think that's really cool. If you're going to have a private club, be a private club and have your own rules. They had the paparazzi talk with us. No, No pictures of any patrons in here. 
Uh, but no you, video at all. No video. If you, you want to take pictures in the bathroom, if you want us to take okay. pictures of you and your party, we'll do that for you, sort of thing. And um, oh, and then I'm I'm a bourbon snob, guys. I I love my rare bourbons, and they had a lineup of Pappy Van Winkle that would make make you blush. It was just they had the 15, the 20, the 23 year, and then they had a bunch of rare scotches there. Then they had Clausa Azul. Well, they had another tequila there, but they had these bottles of Clauso Azul tequila, if you're a tequila fan. Um, These are bottles that I've never seen before, and I think one of them was like $1,200 a shot if you wanted it. Yeah, it's it's so ridiculous. It's encased in this this, uh, glass case, and right in the middle of the glass case, there's another bottle of tequila, really funky shape. It kind of looked like a teardrop or something, and it says, uh, all this stuff is for sale. You can buy a drink. Yeah, you can buy buy a shot of this. And the shot of that was twenty four ninety five, I believe. And that's not that wasn't twenty four ninety five. That's two thousand four hundred ninety five dollars for a shot. And then they had uh, the, what is that uh, cognac? Oh, I actually didn't see this. Yeah, it was forty five hundred dollars for a half ounce pour. One of three bottles in the entire United States was in that restaurant. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah. I wish I would have seen that. Yeah, crazy. But the food there was amazing. Um, the experience was really cool. And and then we went on rides. Yeah. So here we are, all of us fully formed 40-plus adult males, you know, cutting in line in front of these kids who are just trying to go to Disneyland on a did, family pass. And I, Did I you kinda, feel bad? Not really. Okay, I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, it we was the fast pass. We had the fast pass. I mean, we got the hookup. It was kind of nice. And we went to the scary house. Like, I don't know what the house is called. We went to yeah, the, the haunted mansion. The haunted mansion. Yeah. Um, I will say one of the coolest rides was Star Wars. That was really fun. And I think one of the most fun things about that ride was one of the guys that we were with. Why don't you tell he, everybody about him? Oh, he. He was like a little kid all over again, and this was like the greatest thing that I seriously. It was like this guy was taking pictures of everything. He just totally reverted into his eight-year-old self. It was really it was cool. spectacular. He was running around taking selfie videos around all of the, all the Star Wars stuff. We went into the Star Wars bar. We we did the ride, and the ride was cool. And the ride is like you're in the Millennium Falcon. And you're in the cockpit, and he was like, "I want to be, I want to be the pilot, I want to be the pilot, I want to be the pilot. Can I be the pilot?" And he crashes into everything. He hit everything. It was, ins- <laughs> yeah. He's a terrible pilot. If he ever wants to be the pilot again, don't let him do that. Yeah. But it was really fun to see. Disneyland was really cool. Club Thirty Three was really cool. Oh, dude, Club Thirty Three is spectacular. That, I think, for me, um, just the experience. Of, it's really a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I will probably never step foot in Club 33 in my life again. I did buy some stuff there, uh, collectible stuff, because rumor rumor had it if you have, like, a coaster or even, like, a, a drying napkin from the bathroom, you can, like, resell them on eBay for, like, five bucks a pop because the Disney collectors out there go mad for Club 33 stuff, which I, th- I think is weird, but okay. It was, it, okay. Was, it was cool to experience it. I agree with okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Club 33 was a great experience. What a great way to wrap up that trip and and uh, just blow off some steam with some – and make some new friends along the way, too. I, we really got to know our account exec, Bryson Beatty. Uh, really, really cool, cool guy. guy. Yeah. Ooh, he, shout out, Bryson. Shout out to Bryson. Shout out to Rich and Sean. Uh, you guys made the trip really super fun. And, uh, yeah, we're just – we're looking forward to some more experiences like that to get better as we go along here. Yep. Um, do you have any final thoughts for us today? 
What are my final final thoughts? Uh, some of my final thoughts are: we are in some challenging times right here. If you can learn to master the eight inches in between your ears, you're going to learn to master everything. I totally agree with that. Um, I also think that through consistency and transparency, uh, we can constantly strive to have a perfect day, whatever that perfect day looks like for you in your life. Um, And that's just going to help you grow and get better and achieve the goals that you want to achieve in your life. Learn to be the victor. Yep. Not the victim. So next week, don't forget to tune in to episode five. Uh, We will be bridging the gap with our first guest, Ryan Hillis from Real Estate Source TV. And we will be getting his insights and perspective on the current times we are facing as it pertains to the real estate market and lending. I'm really excited to have Ryan on. He's been a friend of mine for many, many years. Um, Met him in the mortgage business. Uh, We were both pretty much brand new when I met him. And he's gone on to do some pretty spectacular things. Uh, He's a local guy here in Washington. And uh, we're going to learn a lot from him about about, uh, media and and digital content because he has been a, a really great creator. He's had his own show for, I think he just hit 15 years. I think I just saw that show. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Really excited about that. The voice that we get to plug into and get better and learning from him. I'm excited for that. For sure. Yep. So don't forget forget to subscribe to our show. We are available on most social media platforms. We have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a YouTube channel. Uh, We're now up on Apple iTunes and a bunch of other podcasts. Uh, Spotify is another one. Um, so go ahead and catch our show clips and check it us check us out and give us a like if you uh, find our channel. Find us. Yep. It's another great day. It's another great day. <laughs>